The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. PFF Podcast is brought to you by True Car. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, the luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof? Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a True Cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Cash offer not available in all areas. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Sam Monson, who made it back from sickness. Welcome back, man. Thanks, Steve. Thanks. I'm not all the way back. You're I'm still not. fighting through fighting through the disease. It's taken hold. It's mm. it's a long lasting thing, whatever the hell this is. Please don't get me sick. We had our own diseases going around the Palazzolo well, household. Yeah, you probably had other things. So we're just gonna con- keep contaminating ourselves. Yes, perfect. Uh, so great. We're gonna discuss uh, Super Bowl fifty three. We'll review the Patriots thirteen to three win over the Los Angeles Rams. But before we do, Sam, I have to ask you about your Twitter avatar. What's happening there? Do you indeed? I do need to because the people want to know. The people <sighs> want to know. You've got this Twitter avatar with a frowny face and yeah. some sort of white shirt that uh, only like 5% of our listeners probably. Yeah, that would be an England rugby on. jersey. That's You're a big on. England rugby fan, yeah? No. No. Um, I'm an Ireland rugby fan, which means I'm very, very not an England rugby fan. Um, and usually every year, myself and Gordon... Gordon McGuinness have an avatar bet on the rugby, usually Six Nations. We actually do it any time Ireland and Scotland play each other, so football as well. And randomly, just before the Six Nations kicked off, Ben Stockwell decided to join in. He's like, oh, I can do it this year as well. We're like, well, all right, fine, fine. And Ireland-England was the first game in the Six Nations. <sighs> and they lost? Yes. Ireland lost for the first time in the Joe Schmidt era at home. And consequently, I have to wear a stupid England jersey for a week in my avatar. Were you you surprised they couldn't match England's physicality? (laughs) See, what's ridiculous is that that's actually the reason they lost. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Joe Schmidt came out and said that they got bullied for the the first time in a long time. And they probably couldn't handle England's line speed as well. (laughs) Also true. (laughs) I mean, this was was supposed to be our year, Sam, (sighs) for Ireland, for, for the Irish rugby team. It still can be, Steve. It's just the first game of a Six Nations tournament, and there's, you know, there's a few more weeks to go. And even if the Six Nations goes wanting, it's a World Cup year, and that's more important. So it's not the end of the world. So it's not. It's just the end of this week. I mean, the I've fact that England had 48 dominant tackles and Ireland only had eight, that's, well, that's not, not concerning? No. No, no, no. Not at all? No. Okay. All right. As long as we're good going forward. But the Avatar... We had to give a little bit of time to your uh, to your sadness. Thanks, Steve. Sorry. Thanks. So between sickness and the rough, yeah, rough weekend yeah. for Sam. But don't worry, we had an exciting Super Bowl to watch. Mm. People didn't like this game, Sam. 
Patriots and the Rams. Let's get through it. Because it was a pretty bad game, Steve. Uh, This goes back to the age-old debate here. Good offense or bad offense versus good defense. I do think the defenses deserve some credit. Yeah. But it is funny how you look at a couple plays where if the offense just did a little better something, caught a pass here and there, Jared Goff doesn't miss a wide-open player, you don't have bad you know, late throws by Brady for interceptions. A lot of it's offense driven. Like the offense is dictating yeah. the ugly play. Yeah. I, there are, look, we've been among the more vocal people saying that great defensive games are great games as well. I don't think this was a great defensive game. I think this was a pretty good defensive game and some pretty bad offense. You know, there were some terrible plays by both quarterbacks between throwing the ball straight to defenders, between dithering in the pocket, taking unnecessary sacks, fumbling the ball. There was some bad offensive play in this game that led to it being such a low-scoring affair, um, in addition to some pretty good defense. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let's get into some of the nuts and bolts of it. Let's discuss, I mean, do you want to go chronologically through the game or split up sides of the ball? Um, I mean, so I would just talk the kind of big-picture stuff to come out of this game. Like, okay. the... The truest statement I think I've seen after the game was Sean McVay coming out and basically saying, I got outcoached, um, which I think is both impressively honest and incredibly accurate for as much as he's been hailed as the new, you know, wunderkind yeah. in terms of oh, nice. uh, coaching. Half of the league's hirings have been got over the last couple of months, couple of weeks, because they have some vague connection to Sean McVay. His system is fantastic but what we're seeing is that once you diagnose what the system does and take it away the adjustments aren't there yet now it's not to say they won't be because he's what 33 years old right and you know just a couple of years into coaching so there's a long way to go but so far if you force Sean McVay's system to plan b they have problems so the interesting thing about that to me is it feels like it should have been obvious what the Patriots were going to do. You've got, we said on this podcast, we've said on this podcast multiple times, I've seen, I saw Patriots beat writers talking about it, and they said, well, the, the times when the Rams were shut down, the Chicago Bears game late in the year, the Lions did a really good job against them. Of course, the head coach of the Lions is Matt Patricia. It's Bill Belichick's former defensive coordinator. Like, you have to assume that the three or four weeks where you really struggled as a team a good defense is going to go back and look at those look yeah. at those games, especially. I'm, I imagine Belichick had Patricia on the phone multiple times to discuss. Okay, what'd you do? And then you're studying that film over and over again. And even Belichick after the game said, "Hey, the Lions did some really good things." So if we knew it, and the Patriots admitted it, how do you go into the game and not have answers? And the basic gist of that is what the Lions like to do is play too high, play a little bit more zone than they're used to doing, just like the Patriots did yesterday, and inviting the Rams to run a little bit. And like Belichick said, he, he said, we tried to do just enough to kind of mitigate the run game and take away their play-action pass game, take away the deep shots, and they crowded the middle of the field. We saw the first play of the second half, you said throws to defenders. Goff came out of play-action, threw the ball right to Dante Hightower, which should have been um, an easy interception. They took away the stuff that the Rams really like to do. Yeah, and again, I mean, the Rams have only adjusted to that once. The only time they did it was when Dallas tried to do that and invite them to run, and they did. And that was the only time that they really went away from plan A, accepted plan B, and actually had an answer to that. But was that more, But that was more execution than anything, too, wasn't it? They just happened to really do a good job run blocking up front. Right, but in previous games, when teams had taken away what they wanted to do, they didn't even go to the plan B. They didn't yeah. even take what was being offered to them in terms of an alternative to what they wanted to do. I think that was the big thing there. Um, but the other, there was a few interesting things that I think... So the overall thing is that Sean McVay has this incredible system, but at the moment, there needs to be a second generation of this system. We need to see in this next offseason an evolution to this Sean McVay system and show that he has the ability to answer when the, the initial plan, when plan A gets shut down. Otherwise, there is a very real danger that he becomes just another one of these coaches that had an interesting system that took the league by storm until it was figured out, and then there's no answer. Because I would say the number of those is a far greater number than the number of guys who have had a fantastic system and have then evolved it year on year so that it remains unstoppable. 
you know, so everyone goes, well, he's only 33. Of course he'll get better and he'll develop and he'll be incredible. Really? I mean, it's well, definitely possible, but I would say the balance of probabilities and history shows that the, the idea that it won't is maybe more likely than the idea that it will. Well, let me steal Eric Eager's idea, idea from uh, the PFF forecast. I don't know if he said it on the on the show, but he said it in the office earlier today that if he doesn't adjust, he becomes just he's Mike McCarthy, right? Right. I mean, so then Mike McCarthy at one point was a young, hot offensive mind, right? He was the guy that was the next guy as far as offensive play calling goes. Now he's like, oh, stale Mike McCarthy. And the same issue could have happened if they'd won that game. You know, this if they, oh, of course Mike McCarthy won himself a Super Bowl again. They had Aaron Rodgers. You know, right. he, Sean McVay could have won this game yesterday, been hailed as the genius. And still had the same issue. Still not evolved the system. Because this wasn't a one-game sample. Right. Of and and eventually adjusting. had the same problem. Now it's the system's never developed. It's Mike McCarthy again. So whether they won or lost this game, I think we are seeing now a trend of teams figuring out this offense, understanding how to slow it down, and McVeigh needs to evolve to the next step and show that he can take advantage of what they're doing when they slow the offense down. Now on the other side, the Patriots and their offense are known for completely adjusting. I mean, yeah. they took their team and they de- they became a power running team from December on. Not completely, but they did run the ball a lot more. They're using a fullback more than anybody in the NFL. We've seen Brady run systems that are three wide receivers, that are tight end heavy. We've seen them do it all. And even within the game, that game-winning drive, we saw them completely adjust. This was one of the more interesting things. When we dove into the PFF database, we said, how often does all this stuff happen? What they did... They went with what we call 22 personnel, Sam. What is that, Steve? That's two running backs, two tight ends, one wide receiver. Doesn't mean 22 players were on the field. No. Because that's illegal. As one YouTube Well, 22 total. 22 total, hmm. right. But, only, but 22 personnel for the offense. Two running yeah. backs, two tight ends, and one receiver. And then they split them out wide. And that had only happened, stealing George's numbers now, which, again, he probably used on the forecast, with 13 times all the entire regular, 13 pass plays. The entire regular season where teams did that. And the Patriots did it on three straight plays. And I think it was really to find mismatches for Julian Edelman against linebackers. Because what happens is when you play, when you have tight ends and running backs come in, they, they go bigger, they have their base defense. But when you split them wide, what we said on the podcast last week is you're going to have Devlin out wide and a running back out wide with Tlaib and Peters and the cornerbacks on them. And that's kind of a waste, right? Yeah. And that's what the Patriots did. But it took them till the game-winning drive to kind of exploit that type of mismatch. It's So everyone, when you talk about the Patriots and this dynasty that they've built... It's not a dynasty. It's a dynasty. The yeah. legacy of where all the credit belongs in this whole relationship, whether it's Kraft, Belichick, Brady, Skarnakia, you know, there's a ton of credit to go around. Jimmy G. <laughs> but what's really interesting is that I think the Patriots have hit on essentially the perfect system for today's NFL, but it's also the hardest one to replicate. What they do with their game plan-minded approach to games makes them so incredibly hard to beat when you get to these one-off encounters, right? Like, obviously, they want to win every game, but there's a lot of games in the regular season that they don't really care that much if they lose. You know what I mean? They know they're going to win 12 games. They know they're going to be in the playoffs. That's when it matters, and you can really break out a game plan that's impossible to overcome. In the regular season, the second time you play the Dolphins, I mean, yeah, it would be nice to win, but eh, who really cares, right? But what they do is they roll into these uh, encounters with this completely fresh game plan, specifically tailored to take down the opposition, as opposed to taking your standard game plan and then you know modifying it a little bit to try and win that way. Right. It's a completely different approach that I think is far more effective in these one-off games. And then the offensive system they run as well, this Earhart Perkins system, honestly, the more I think about it, the better, uh, the, the more optimized this offense is for today's NFL as well. The way the league has developed into taking advantage of motion, taking advantage of personnel groupings. The reason that's important is, like you say, when you bring on a second tight end and a fullback, the defense will match that with bigger personnel. So they'll keep linebackers on the field. They won't bring in that nickelback. The nickelbacks are now playing. 65 you know plus percent of the snaps you can get that guy off the field by breaking out the bigger personnel groupings right right and this Earhart Perkins system is so dynamic because you can run the same plays 
with different personnel groupings. That's the key. Yep. And all you have to do is just say, right, we're running 22. We can run the same plays. Everybody knows what they're doing. It doesn't change anything. And it means that they're so much more dynamic on the move as well. So when you know, we criticize a lot coaches, they don't make these in-game adjustments. And part of the reason they don't is because it's not that simple. You can't just say, right, we need to do this to exploit what's happening on the field because that involves changing a lot of things. Right. But when you have this kind of offense, you're changing far fewer things because it's set up to be able to handle that. So part of it is that Belichick and you know Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady are really good at seeing this stuff as it happens and understanding how to adjust on the fly. Another part of it is that the offense and the system is set up to make it easier to do that. So right. they can change in a way some of these other teams can't and make these adjustments in-game that other teams are just not capable of doing. And a big part of that is their ability to cross-train guys at all various positions. So all of their receivers know the assignments for every receiver position. They're not just the X or the Z or whatever they're calling them. And again, when they, so when they did that, so when they went to this 22 personnel and split empty, so empty backfield, they're definitely passing, same pass play three straight times on that play. And it's yeah. their staple play. It is their staple single high coverage play they run a little they run curls on the outside in a seam from the slot and then Julian Edelman has that little option route in the middle so I really think they did this to try to find Edelman because he's going to get a linebacker on him today he got a little extra attention from the Rams from guys that were pass rushing they were trying to slow him down but the read for Brady is he's just reading one defender and if you know if the guy drops too deep or he runs with the seam guy he hits the curl if the guy runs to the curl he hits the seam so he hit the curl to Burkhead on one, and he hit the, the go ball to Gronkowski on the seam, which was, you know, Brady didn't play a very good game, but he threw a dime right. down the stretch on that one. So, like, the only downside to this offensive system is that it's a little bit more complicated for the skill position players to come in because they need to know what everybody does. Because essentially the plays, a lot of play, a lot of systems in the NFL, the play essentially tells you what you're doing. You know, the, all this crazy John Gruden verbiage that's a nightmare for a quarterback to have to remember, that's such a disaster because each part of that tells everybody what they're doing on the play. Right. It's so all very you need specific. to do yeah. is stick your ear in the huddle, listen to your part of the play, and go, okay, right, I'm running a flat. Right? Whereas the Earhart Perkins stuff, every play has essentially got code words. So you just chuck out the code words, and to, you know, regardless of what you know where you're lining up, even if I'm a tight end, now I'm being motioned out to play right wide receiver. I know what I'm running now right. because I know what the play is. Right. So you need to learn all that internally. You can't just listen in the huddle for what yeah, you're they being use told words to do. for route concepts, right? And the and those route concepts stay the same regardless of the personnel group, which makes it so much more dynamic. The but downside the, is that it's harder to learn for those guys to come in, which is why sometimes you see these receivers come in and struggle to pick up the system because it's not as easy as these other things. But it enables you to do so much more when you're on the right. field. But the challenge also with the system is even if there's a called run co uh, pass concept, they have multiple options, yeah. and you have to be on the same page with Brady with how he sees things. That's why he's right. had receivers that he's clicked with and receivers he hasn't clicked with. And Brady's also an interesting passer where you know, you're know you not supposed to stare down your receivers and all that stuff, but against certain coverages where staring down doesn't matter, he'll sit there and stare at his receiver. If it's, you know, if it's man coverage and there's no you know, linebacker in the way, he'll just stare and watch them right. and watch Edelman or Welker back in the day, watch their leverage, and then they, de they determine where they're going to go, and then he throws the ball. So he sees it first, then throws it. So a lot of that stuff, being on the same page with the quarterback, again, I feel like that's why people say, well, br what Brady does is easy. He's a system quarterback. And then the next answer is, well, why doesn't everybody do this? Well, because it's not easy. Right. And it's not just you're a system quarterback, even though the Patriots through the years at times have made things look easy. It's now, harder, yesterday was not a good offensive yeah, effort. It's harder at multiple you know, instances. It's harder for the skill position guys to come in and learn this. It's harder for coaches to take it elsewhere because it is so specifically motivated by each specific game plan. Like you can't, it's, it's relatively easy for a coach to go somewhere where their head coach is a genius. He has a system. You learn the system. You take the system somewhere else. Right, it's you know it's it's relatively simple to just pick up a guy's playbook, take it with you, and teach it to other people. It's way harder to have a vague system, and then every different game is a completely new game plan. Like how do you? Because that at that point you're teaching critical thinking. 
you're teaching how the building blocks of this whole thing function, which means you need to actually have a you know a complete understanding of that from the ground up to begin with. Right. And I don't know if that's ever progressed beyond Belichick, if he has been the orchestrator of the entire thing from the ground up for the last 20 years, and everybody that's tried to take it somewhere else just doesn't have that fundamental ability to break down every single upcoming opponent and create a game plan around it. Well, I mean, look, that's, I think that's always the risk when you talk about getting somebody from a coaching tree, like we talked about a few weeks ago. Neil Hornsby is our boss. We, if, if somebody looked at us and said, PFF's a successful company, I want people on the Neil Hornsby tree, so yeah. I'm going to hire Sam. He must be just like Neil. Are you anything like Neil? Uh, no. No, I'm not either. We love you, Neil, but we're all different people, right? So that's it. I mean, that's... so. Hiring somebody that works for Belichick, well, he'll just be just he'll be just like Belichick. When people have different personalities and they have different strengths and weaknesses, Belichick, I mean, Belichick probably has some weaknesses that Matt Patricia, you know, is a strength for maybe Matt Patricia, but you know, he doesn't have the same strengths that Belichick has either. And the whole thing with this McVeigh stuff, McVeigh's still very good. And part of this, being a thirty-two-year-old first-year head coach and getting people older than you to buy right. in. Is that is an, that's a skill set in it in, in and of itself, and so just because a guy calls good football plays doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be good. What he's at everything else is incredible. Um, I just think that we've reached a point now where he needs to evolve it. Oh, absolutely! Like it's not a absolutely. It's not a. It would be nice if this developed. It's this needs to happen this offseason. Otherwise, they're actually going to have some problems. There was there was a couple points in the game, and I thought Tony Romo did do a good job of saying, "All right, it's time for you guys to come out of your comfort zone." It's time for you to pass on first. Do, just do different things, right? And it felt like at the beginning of drives, they ran quick game one time. They, they ran quick, time, quick game. That's three-step drop, get the ball out of Goff's hands quickly, like 25 times all season. They did that one time to kind of start a drive. But then they kind of got back into their groove of doing what they do. They really did need to completely change what they were doing because the Patriots were taking away their staple plays, yeah. the play-action game. And everything the Patriots did to them worked um, they did a couple of things. They ran a lot of this sort of five-man pass rushing. Right. You know, typically there were like literally five guys at the line of scrimmage, and they all came. The other thing they did is a ton of stunts. And for some reason, the Rams' offensive line, which has been a strength throughout the year, was just getting its ass kicked against these stunts and twists and, yep. you know, guys uh, changing their assigned rush gap. They just couldn't handle that at all all the way through the game. Um and so, it, and they kept d- dialing it up because it was such a tight game. You know, nobody was getting any kind of real offense going. Every time the Rams had a critical play, you know, third and seven, the Patriots would send this, run a twist, run a stunt, run some kind of gap exchange up front. The Rams' offensive line couldn't pick it up, and Goff was under pressure to try and get a pass away quicker than he wanted to, um, and couldn't make the play. So the stunts were a ton. They, you know, if you count a five-man rush as a blitz. The Patriots blitz an absolute ton. In fact, the last two games were their second or their two of their three highest blitz rate games of the year. Um, uh, on the season, the Patriots blitz thirty two point five percent of the time. Against the Rams, it was forty eight percent of the time. So they basically blitzed an absolute ton, um, and a it worked almost all the time. And then even when they dialed up something really ridiculous, like the cover zero blitz, they only had a handful of those, but they were. Well timed, right? And the one they the terrible interception that Goff threw to Gilmore, cover zero blitz. The safety came down, an extra man. They couldn't pick it up. Goff was looking at the right hand side of the field. It's single coverage, but against a guy with position and leverage, you should never put that ball in the air. But he didn't have anywhere to go because there was a free rusher. If there's one thing the Patriots have done on their Super Bowl runs, this actually they did this against Atlanta when they got the the fumble against Matt Ryan, dialing up the. The pressure at the right time. The yeah. pressure, the, the blitz, the heavy blitz pressure. So they got the Matt Ryan fumble a couple years ago to help spark that 28-3 to comeback. And then yesterday, even though we said they blitzed a ton, the all-out blitz, like you said, they only had a handful of those, but the timing was right, and Goff threw basically an arm punt right to Stephon Gilmore. A um, couple things, too. With the Patriots linebackers, you talk about league trends and copycat league and all that stuff. The style of linebacker that the Patriots employ. You have Dante Hightower and Kyle Van Noy, both guys who played edge rusher. They were, they were edge defenders at times in college and at various points in their NFL careers. That is very rare. They're, you know, so when you have a 3-4 outside linebacker, he's like a linebacker by name, but we, we know he's a pass rusher. He's not really a linebacker. Hightower and Van Noy are true linebackers, 
who have dabbled on the edge a little bit, which linebackers don't normally do. It's a whole different skill set rushing the passer versus playing the run and playing coverage as a linebacker. But then, and they did this with Jamie Collins when he was there. So you have these guys who are linebacker edge hybrids. So when they blitz and they're lined up, even when they're just getting ahead of steam against a guard or taking on a a running back one-on-one, it's such an advantage and that's why they blitz these guys so much. And Hightower and Van Noy were all over the field yesterday. And they've always had those guys, you know, going back to Teddy Bruschi. And, he was a former edge in college. Right. Yeah. And this is part of this whole idea of you build a system, you build a team full of guys who can do multiple things because you're going to need them on any given week to go from standard off the ball linebacker to you're playing basically edge rusher this game based right. on this game plan. And what the Rams did again is. They got suckered into essentially accepting the game on the Patriots' terms. The Patriots are going to run up with this five-man line. They're going to blitz you using these edge linebacker hybrids. And the way to combat that is to send all your guys out into pass patterns quickly and dump the ball over their heads, right? right? Get it out of your hands quickly into the space that those guys are vacating by rushing at you. Instead, what the Rams were doing was going max protect and keeping in tight ends, Higby, um, Gerald Everett, uh, Todd Gurley, who we know is not a great pass protector and not a great blitz pickup back, um, keeping him in to try and protect, to buy them enough time to get the deep dig right. to Robert Woods. They just went about it from the, the wrong direction to try and combat what the Patriots are doing. And, the, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a big reason why um, Todd Gurley wasn't on the field every single play because the Rams don't love Todd Gurley picking up the blitz, right. and all the running backs were doing in this game was picking up the blitz. So, you know, Todd Gurley watch the, the every two-minute cast down to the sideline. Where is Todd Gurley? Update, guys, he is still not injured. For the third straight week, Todd Gurley is still healthy and right. not playing all that it's much. It's not that Todd Gurley was busted and dealing with, you know, whatever. It's that they were forcing them to go do blitz pickup uh, packages and Todd Gurley's not the guy you want on the field for that. It felt like they were um, just lost her name. What's her name on the sideline? Tracy Wolfson. Tracy Wolfson. She felt like she was trying to justify her report. Her report was Todd Gurley is going to be the bell cow. Right. I saw other reports that, uh, that said, oh, yeah, it's going to be the same thing we saw. It's going to be split carries and all that stuff, which made sense to me. I don't think you need to make Todd Gurley yeah. the bell cow in that game. I probably would have used him a little bit more because he is the more dynamic athlete. Used him in the screen game. Used him, right. you know, in the and pass I think game more. that's the like that's the legitimate kind of uh, conclusion to all this is right. that the yeah he was he shouldn't have been on the sideline, but not because you know not because he didn't understand it, but because he was they were the only reason he was on the sideline is because they were reacting in the wrong way to what it was the Patriots were doing to them. Right. Which is I, by keeping these guys in to blitz protect. And I would have used him more on right. screen. And it's not just the running backs, like asking Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett to pass block against Dante Hightower and Kyle Van Noy is a terrible matchup as well. Right. Like you're, you're dealing with the problem in the wrong way, and that's why you were under pressure the whole time. Everett had nine pass blocking snaps. Higby had six. A couple wide receivers even had some. Right. CJ Anderson had five. Todd Gurley had six. So yeah, you're, you know, you're kind of playing into the Patriots' hands. Exactly. At at that point, um, as far as key plays go in the game, because again, it was thirteen to three. There's no bigger key play than Jared Goff missing the busted coverage touchdown. Oh, I agree. So I think that looked like it looked like I don't know if it was Deron Harmon, but one of the safeties on the on the left side of the offense blew a coverage. Jason yeah. McCourty comes from the opposite side of the field. Incredible play by him. It was really an incredible play. We're not talking about the play if Goff see, you know, hits Cooks a little bit sooner. Right. But just to get into that, um, into that part of the field, it's actually one of my favorite plays in football when you have a guy who essentially Backside. has like a deep zone and right. he makes a play that he's, he's, he's kind of supposed to be seeing it. Because, but, but never it's, does. Yeah. But he doesn't it's, always. It's like, that, it's like the linebacker making the play on the deep cover three crosser. Like, yeah, right. In theory, it's your guy, but you never make that That's play. never made, right. The backside corner coming across to, to get something deep that it that doesn't end up all the way in his side of the field. Well, because it, it's really like a free safety type of skill set. Right. You have to take a you have to take a perfect angle. Well, it's exactly what it, it is. You're supposed stuff. to essentially replace the free exactly, safety right. on your side, and it never happens. So, like that guy, you know, maybe vaguely in the area, but he's never actually making that play. So fantastic play by McCordy, and this is like we talked about the di- dynamic of great defense versus bad offense. It's a great play. But it shouldn't, he shouldn't have had the opportunity to make it because Goff was A, late, 
and then B threw up this weird duck of a pass right. that he hit three or four times in that game where the ball just came out of his hand funky and didn't like he tried to fire that in there on a rope and instead of that it like fluttered up in the air and took away and they each come it down wasn't good. the other part of it is you could make the case that Brandon Cook still should have come down with it anyway yeah. uh, you know he caught that only to have this hand sort of jarred away from him and you know you could make the case that strong hands keeps those two together despite the arm coming between them like so Cooks had essentially two contested catch situations the first one of which McCordy he caught it McCordy put a hand away right. and the hand split and the ball came out and that was Goff's fault for being late but then when Goff yeah. threw a nice pass the second one was Goff firing in a beautiful pass down the field and this time we've got Gilmore holding down uh, Cooks's left arm so we can't get both hands up to grab it again you can kind of make the case that you know, even without this hand, you still got one hand kind of bucket catch. I would say that if you want to be really critical, you know, New Hopkins catches at least one of those two, probably both of them, and Cooks gets none of them. Well, he's the best receiver in the NFL this year, so right. probably. I'm just, yeah. you could take your pick of top yeah. receivers. You know, if you're going to be a number one receiver, you need to catch one of those two passes, so that, even though both of them involve some level of defense. And that, and that, potentially changes the game quite a bit as well that i mean that often make a whole bunch of good throws but he dropped that one in there to cooks that would have uh, changed the game but th- i think the biggest play in this game was the missed blown coverage agreed. essentially so great play by jason mccordy on that deron Harmon also had a good play on that cooks pass I mean, he might have knocked it out anyway even yeah. if cooks had managed to catch it with the right hand and the, got it in the in the bread basket i think the point in all this other than the blown coverage against cooks the patriots defense just challenges every pass Goff made a couple – he had a couple tight window crossers that were really well-placed and a couple by the sideline that were really well-placed, but every throw was difficult. And that's essentially what the Patriots' coverage did this year. They just make your margin of error really, really small. So Jason McCourty, Patrick Chung make, made a nice play before he broke his arm. Devin McCourty played well. Stephon Gilmore, I mean, he got beat a couple times again by Cooks, but – Man, just what a season by him. And yeah. I think I like Eric Eager's comments, too. It's like This is the first time Bill Belichick has really paid a defensive player since Adelius Thomas in 2007. Certainly long-term, yeah. Long-term, right? Not like the one-year Revis stuff, right. but committed to a player, put a ton of money into him. And, um, you know, you and I kind of debated what this signing would be at the time because Gilmore was a was kind of taking a step back in right. his career he's with Buffalo. He's finally become the player that everybody thought he was in Buffalo. Like he's vastly outperformed anything he did in Buffalo. Yeah, he's been a fantastic fit. Other than he the first 3 or 4 weeks with New England, coverage bust, right? everywhere. bunch of coverage bust. But since that point, yeah. he's just been outstanding and every time you see New England play, even if he's given up catches, they're tight window throws and everything is yeah, I think he had one of the highest levels of contested catch situations yep. from a defensive back even when he's giving up receptions. Because like we said, everybody, every corner is giving up something, right? Nobody yeah. is shutting down players anymore. It just doesn't happen. But he is making you work for pretty much every reception. Here's the one other um, fun debate, because we always like to discuss co- the difference between coverage and pass rush. And, you know, they always work together, of course. But if you have to choose one, what's more important? The coverage argument was a good one yesterday because Goff held the ball 3.3 seconds. Yes, he was pressured 40-plus percent of the time. How many of those were late? How many of those were because he didn't have anywhere to go yeah. early in the down? And then the Patriots did a nice job. They didn't have any. They had a few dominant wins up front, but then they had a bunch of slow wins as well that got pressure because Goff had nowhere to go with the football. That's a big factor, covering well on the back end to take away those first couple options. Yeah, particularly remember the terrible sack he took where he like scrambled out to the right field and ended up getting yeah. taken down by Van Noy when it was just about – there was a – I think Robert Woods maybe had just uncovered at that point. He was about to get that pass away, but just couldn't before right. Van Noy took him down. Yep. If you like that play was dead basically from the beginning. They had this, you know, standard. They were in tight. They ran this crossing um, stuff up the middle, and almost all of the crossers got jacked off the roots by the Patriots uh, crowding the middle of the field. And right, almost like a second in that play, you're like, this is dead. Nowhere. Right. He's got nowhere to go with the ball. He's going to have to make something crazy happen because everybody just had their route blown to hell. Um, and that's exactly what happened. He almost got it to happen, and then Van Noy took him down when he, he tried to escape. Uh, what about those who were saying the Rams needed to run the ball more, establish <laughs> the run, and or get Todd Gurley more involved? Well, I, we covered the Gurley thing, right? I think 
the argument that Todd Gurley needed to be more involved, I think, is fair, but not not as a ball carrier. Like he needed to be more involved by getting him the ball on screens, on getting it over the heads of the guys that were rushing and making him a viable receiving threat, not the oh, guy sure. trying to stick his face in Hightower's way. I would have targeted him a bunch. I mean, early in the year, you saw him on wheel routes quite a bit. Anthony Barr game, right? right. He just kept getting isolated on Anthony Barr, and his speed was too much for him. That's where I would be using Gurley. But even if you're just leaving him in the backfield and saying, right, instead of throwing your face at you know, Kyle Van Noy at Hightower at whoever's rushing at you, sneak by him. I'll dump the yeah, ball right. over his head. Yeah. Like, that's what they needed to do with Gurley, with Higby, with uh, Everett as well. Just don't use those guys as pass blockers. Use them as receiving threats. He had one target in the game. Yeah. Like, forget for about the carries. One yards. Right. That, he had I was one target. So, uh, stealing George's numbers here. Rams on first and second down in the Super Bowl. 3.7 yards per run. 6.1 yards per pass, 8.7 yards per play action pass. So again, they didn't they were still running pretty effective, you know, their their pass game was pretty much working off of play action. Um, and that was on first and second down, the times when you're trying to create chunk plays, get away from long third downs and all that. 8.7 yards per play action, 3.7 yards per run. So yeah, you don't want to sit there and just keep running it into the line. Anderson, Gurley, Everett, and Higby combined for four targets. Not what I expected. No. I mean, that, that's a, that in, its, in a nutshell is what went wrong with this game plan from the Rams' point of view. They no, got, because the Patriots have had good play from their corners this right. year. They got suckered into keeping those guys at home yep. and not, be, not using them as matchup problems. The right. Patriots were able to, without trying to cover them, take away those guys as receiving threats. Like, that's... That's the biggest part of this whole game plan is that they were able – they've done this before. It's another part of this whole game plan specific thing is they're really good at making you take away the thing they want to take away. Not even like – not even themselves. So they're, they're very good at that as well. But like, you know the way they went out and took away Tyree Kill by double teaming yeah. him, right? But they've in the past taken away Von Miller by making you keep him off the field. Right, we're going to go with oh, yeah, things bit, yeah. that keep you in base defense, which was keeping him away as a pass rusher back in the days where he right. was playing off the ball, linebacker, coverage and stuff. Yep. Right, so they're they're also really good at basically suckering you into doing the thing that they want you to do. So this goes back to me. This goes back to the balance argument because everybody's like, well, the Patriots started to go with the power run game down the stretch, which they did. I mean, uh-huh. they, they ran the ball a ton. They ran a lot of two back stuff, and they ran out the clock behind that pretty strong run game. A couple plays that were unbelievably blocked. But it's more, that's balance on offense. It's the ability to go to 21 personnel and run the ball. It's the ability to go to empty down the stretch for the game-winning drive. Because as much as the run game matters, Brady having like 70 passing yards on the game-winning drive, that's the most important thing, is having drives like that through the pass game, but then having the ability to run out the clock when you need to. Having the ability to throw deep when you need to, throw short when you need to, and adjust to whatever the defense is thrown at you. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Um, the other thing that is coming out of this game, it, it appears that Jared Goff is the designated scapegoat for this general collapse by the Rams. It's, How much blame does he deserve? I mean, he, was, he wasn't was good. Him and Brady were both not good. They were both bad in this game, right? Brady threw, <laughs> threw the ball to a defender. Brady took a terrible sack and fumbled the ball away. He missed a couple of players. He made some big throws as well, mm-hmm. but Brady was not good. Goff threw the ball to Hightower. I understand why he did it in the, the play. If you watch the play, Hightower was going with the first crossing route, and Goff thought he would continue going with him, but instead he was watching. You know, right. It's not like... I. He threw one right to Hightower yeah, that was dropped, threw and to Hightower, had the panic throw to Gilmore. Threw, missed the busted coverage, yep. was late on that, had a few wobbly passes, Took a bad sack. There's a bunch of bad plays in there as well, but he did throw a dime to Cooks that could, should have been caught. Uh, made a couple of other big plays in there on yeah. sidelines as well. So Guff was bad, but A, under pressure a ton. B, receivers taken off their routes almost all the time. C, had the issue we've talked about, about all those matchup weapons being taken out of the passing patterns leaving you basically trying to find the two receivers that are left in the passing patterns, right. which is always an issue. That's the um, you know the Teddy Bridgewater, um, North Turner problem we always talked about, is that if you're getting beat up front, 
the last thing you want is to have all of your guys in there max protecting and leaving with just two guys to find because the pressure is going to get home. They couldn't deal with the stunts. They couldn't deal with the blitz. So, I mean, Goff was not good, but I think uh, Sean McVay is accurate when he says the biggest problem was that he got outcoached, not that the quarterback sucks. Yeah, I mean, look, a big part of all of this, though, if if Drew Brees and the Saints were playing in this game and it's third and seven Uh versus Jared Goff facing a third and seven, who do you have more confidence in? Sure. I mean, it's not even close. Right. I don't think... So Goff, to a point, Goff does have a lot of protection in this scheme. A lot of it's based off of play action. And when those, the easy plays, when the staple plays aren't there, do you trust him to just drop back and chuck it around the field and go win the game for you? I don't think he's at that level yet. No, but how many are? I mean, not being Drew Brees is, is not... Yeah, right. Not being Drew Brees does not equate to Jared Goff sucks and was the, the reason they lost the Super Bowl. Like, at one point, the Patriots were like 1 for 11 on third down. You know, Tom Brady on the other side of the ball wasn't exactly <laughs> lighting up the scoreboard. All the damage being done on their offense was Julian Edelman and most of it after the catch. Like, Brady was not sensational and he's the best quarterback to ever play the game. So yes, you can't turn to Goff and say, well, he's the reason they lost the Super Bowl. I guess that's fair. They still only scored three points. That's ugly. Yeah, that's bad. So, any other uh, big takeaways? Anybody else that we didn't... I mean, Aaron Donald was... um, He got in there a couple times. And I think a lot of Brady's bad plays, whether Donald was there or not, you could tell. Brady has a lot of games where there is... If there is a Sue or a Donald or a Gerald McCoy or whatever it is, even if they don't get there, you can kind of tell that he knows that they're there. Yeah, and I feel like there were a couple of players where Donald almost got there. Honestly, Wade Phillips did a great job he overall did. with his game plan. Yeah. You know, as much as we're going to give uh, Belichick and and the Patriots credit for the game plan they had, which really shut down the Rams. This Rams defense, I don't think, is that talented, and yet they really did a pretty good job. And they did some weird things that you wouldn't have expected. Like they had Marcus Peters following Edelman to the slot. Marcus Peters has never followed anybody to the well, slot. Sometimes they had Tlaib. Sometimes right. they had Edelman, uh, Peters. So they did a lot yeah. of things in terms of taking or trying to take away um, the things that the Patriots like to do. They didn't really have a great answer for Edelman. Like he, Edelman had a great game, but again, some of the defense, like there was a play where he lost Roby Coleman by like 10 yards. And it looked initially like one of those Julio routes. You know, he runs the... Um, fakes the post and then breaks back out to the sideline. And every time it sends a guy miles off in the other direction, the way Julio runs that route is incredible because it's almost impossible to avoid oh, yeah. breaking on the initial run. Right. That's what it looked like Edelman did, but he really didn't. He just yeah, broke to, to, to the sideline. To, to leave once. But not to Coleman. When right, Coleman right. ran off into the middle distance, like that's what I assumed had happened is that he'd yeah. broken on the post and then hadn't seen the out. He didn't. Like yeah. Edelman just broke to the sideline, and Coleman didn't. Um, like so, again, there's some terrible defense to go along with the successful offense. But this was a really good defensive performance. It just wasn't enough because their offense only scored three points. Right. And um, you know, I kept waiting for both offenses to adjust. The Patriots just did. I mean, it took up to like eight minutes left in the fourth right. quarter to Eventually. really adjust and get the passing game going. Again, going back to that 22 personnel. And I thought it was interesting if you look as we wrap it up. Brady against the Blitz, he only, they only blitzed him 10 times. And again, we're calling the Blitz, you know, if you bring that fifth rusher, they blitzed three straight times when the Patriots ran that empty 22 personnel. I wonder if this was the whole, we, we really need to find out what they were thinking, right? Why the Patriots went to this 22 right. personnel to go empty. This is what if I was If it was just to you. get them into base. And also saying if we go empty, we know they're going to blitz. And that's actually to our advantage taking defenders out this is what i was saying to you in the office that you know the the behind the scenes if you like you know everybody's wearing a mic in the super bowl endless nfl films material and last year what we got was you know uh nick falls going to the sideline oh we run philly philly like two seconds yeah let's just run it and then out we go we play way right we got a minute video isn't this amazing like i i mean yeah, how did you think that went? Like, this, you know, there's not there's not a whole other layer of complexity behind that. I would love to find out what the thinking was behind the Patriots breaking out a formation that they basically used, a, like that was used in the league a handful of times in the entire season, and then running the same exact play three straight times in that formation. 
all of which were successful, all of which were completed passes. And that part's not Which surprising. set up a winning touchdown. The, the plays that they ran is not surprising because it's their staple play that truly you could play it three different ways and they have an answer for all right. of those different ways. That's why they ran it. But it is still but unusual. But the personnel grouping. Right. I would love to find to hear a behind-the-scenes mic'd up thing of how that was, was, was arrived at. We'll have to We're going to break out this formation. We're going to split everybody wide. Why is, what is it forcing the Rams to do? Why do we like it? And why are we going to run the same play three straight times off it? We'll have to find. Uh, so if NFL films people are listening, that's what I want out of this. Don't give me any crappy call behind Philly Philly or whatever. I want to hear how this happened. Can we just go? We can go interview McDaniel somewhere. I'm sure he'll he's he'll be willing he'd be willing to talk. Yeah, don't you think? We'll have him on the podcast. Okay, maybe we'll see what we can do the combine. Maybe we could do that. Right. Try to pull that off. We're going to cut off PFF data from you guys. Unless you tell us what went down here. Definitely. Um, Patriots, PFF client winning the Super Bowl. Congratulations to PFF client, the New England Patriots. Yeah, all well, two teams. It's all PFF. When are we getting our rings? I don't know. I feel like we uh, certainly deserve one at this point, don't right. we? Right. Did we win one last year? I can't say. We can't say what we did last year. This is the first year we've had all 32. Officially, yeah. Yeah. So this is the first year we can officially say that we've won a Super Bowl ring. No, no, no. We can, the Giants. Oh, they, the Giants. They broke cover before. They did. So we have a couple rings from the Giants. Uh, yeah. One ring from the Giants. One ring from and one, the Giants. And, and, and an some maybe ring. some other rings that we can't talk right. about. Right. Now an official ring from the Patriots and an indeterminate amount in between. That's right. Because we can't, can't reveal. Yeah. Can't reveal things. Um, so yeah, we've got... So the, the podcast's been fun this year, man. We've done some fun previews and recaps. It's off-season mode. So if you guys have been listening, we're going to have Mike here doing more of the draft stuff. Sam, you and I will still be here probably once a week. Talking free agency, talking off-season t- team building, all of the general NFL news, anything as we look forward real quickly uh, into free agency that interests you that is going to be... like What are the big storylines as we head into the off-season here? It's a really good year if you need defensive line help in free agency. Yeah. If you need anything else, you're screwed. Safeties. Too. It's probably edge and safeties. Safeties, and yeah. That's it. Anything else, you're... You, no, 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 no. I think there are some intriguing receivers, but only at the top. You know, but that's about it. Yeah. Like a Tyrell Williams and a in a Golden Tate, but nothing. Right, but nobody's coming in and solving your number one receiver. No, no, I problem. agree. But I think this is the key to team building here is finding pieces. Right, this, this free can, agency is going to be a bunch you know, of pieces. I, I think there is something to be said of we have an issue at a particular spot, particularly teams that have like swung and missed a couple of times in the draft. We'll just fix this in free agency, and then we'll move on to other things. You can do that with edge rusher, depending on how many of them actually hit the open market as opposed to right. hit the franchise tag, etc. Um, you're not doing that at most other positions this year. Agreed. Like the idea yeah. that even if they have the money, the Vikings can go and fix their offensive line in free agency, no, not happening. They're not there. I think, I think where it always does get interesting, though, is you get, some, you get a few guys released. That you're not yeah. that, that are surprising, but they're probably released for a reason. Big cap money, or they're declining, so that'll throw a curveball. And then I think the NFL's starting to get a little bit more aggressive as far as player for player trades and all that stuff. So I think that is something teams could definitely explore. But we'll be here to discuss all of that. Uh, anything else as we uh, put a bow on the 2018 NFL season? And obviously, the number of them that are going to get franchise tagged changes everything. Yeah, um, I mean we're eyeballing that for what Demarcus Lawrence again, D Ford. Even though Lawrence has already been tagged last year, you so do it's it again, jacking right? up the money. Oh, you can, yeah, yeah but it's going to you know jack up the cost a lot. The what other the, thing what is the Patriots do with Trey Flowers. It's going to be interesting to see how many guys sign between now and the opening of free agency. That's true, too, right? Yeah. Because it happens every single year that any. Anybody signing now is out of their minds, right? Because the offer almost certainly isn't disappearing if you hit the open market. And the chance of somebody else throwing more money at you is massive. And the open so market if, gets crazier and crazier every right, year. And you if, have teams that have $60, 70000000 million of salary If capital. nothing else, you've got to be getting yourself a better deal at home, right? Yeah. Signing now, knowing that you're about to hit the open market, is absolutely insane. Maybe there's a comfort level. Sure, but like want... I say, the, I mean, the deal isn't disappearing, right? Yeah. If they want to give you the deal now, that's still going to happen in a month's time when free agency kicks off, only now you'll know that the Jets will offer you $10 million a year more. So why would you sign it now? Kirk turned it down. 
Well, all right, guys, that'll do it for us today. We've got a ton of free agent content, draft content over at ProFootballFocus.com and on the YouTube channel. Please be sure to check that out. All of our free agent rankings are uh, leaking out over the last couple weeks. Leaking I'll out. be back. Yeah, leaking out, man. I mean, that's not the metaphor I'd go for. But What would you say? They're actually just out there. They're not even leaking. I haven't considered it, but I wouldn't have used leaking out. As... Think about it for next week. So next week we'll have, what do you think? You and I will do Mondays. Okay. And then Renner and I will do Thursdays for the draft. Well, next Monday forward. I won't have this stupid avatar anymore, so it's perfect. Oh, I can't wait. Um, so when does Ireland play again? Well, the downside is next week. The downside is that I might have a different stupid avatar next week. If they manage to lose to Scotland next week, then I'm going to be stuck with whatever Gordon You didn't even me. give me a heads up on the game to watch it on ESPN Plus or anything. I want to watch. wasn't on ESPN Plus. It was, I can uh, even watch NBC it. NBC Sports Gold. Oh. All right, well... Everybody watch the Irish rugby next week and root against Sam against uh, us. No, not against me. Root for me. I'm rooting for you. I'm, I'm an Ireland fan now, but it's, you know. Look, we needed a reality check before the World Cup, Steve. This is embarrassing. This, like, is this was supposed to be our time. It still is our time. We just needed to come back down to earth, stop getting carried away, and knuckle down and really, you know, kick on from now. All right, I'm going to do my research so I have some, some good takes for next week as well. Okay. Um, so you and I will be, will be back on Mondays, and then this Thursday I'll be with Mike Renner. We'll talk about all the NFL draft news. This week we'll talk about his mock draft. It's on Pro Football Focus this week on Tuesday. So that's what we'll do. We'll see you guys again on Thursday. Thanks to everybody for a great 2018 season. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.